Before we start this episode, I want to let you guys know, like I said last time, uh, there's this new thing of voice messages where you can send in your thoughts, comments, concerns. Go to anchor.fm slash cult TV, watch the show, and send in your voice messages. I don't know how it exactly works, but please send in messages. I'd like to hear your thoughts. I want to hear what are the things we can talk about on the show. So, yep, just wanted to let you guys know. Please send in your messages. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Cult TV. I'm your host, Marshall Cavalli, and today we are going to be talking about Phantom of the Opera and a movie musical I haven't seen in a while. Um, up, um, I've watched way too many musicals. My father always wanted me to be more aware of the arts, and to this day, I can't thank him enough for it. I've fell in love with musicals such as Paint Your Wagon and, and Phantom. I'm, I am talking about the movie adaptation, but we'll get to it when the time comes. Um, before I get really into it, I want to explain why I picked Phantom to start dipping in. Over the years, this, this movie, after its re- original release... It's gaining a following, and I watched it again, and I tried to understand why people fell in love with it, and I get why, I don't get why it became big, as big as I thought it would be, but I'm kind of surprised, actually. Anyway... The other film, it's, I'm amazed that the movie that I'm going to be talking about today even exists, and I'll get to it. I really, I promise you, this movie, we will delve into it right when we come back. Don't worry. I'll explain everything. It'll make a lot of sense why I picked it. Alright, so. This is going to be my spoiler-free take on The Phantom. Specifically, the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical adaptation. Here we go. The original start of Phantom was released by a French novelist named Gaston Leroux. He sort of made a a mockumentary sort of book that talks about this mysterious phantom that lived in the opera. It was so successful that over the course of time, there have been multiple films that were adapted into movies. Heck, there's one in the 80s that is just, it's bizarre. But if you understand why it exists, I think it's even funnier to watch now. It's one, It was made in 1980, 
Shout Factory is selling copies of it. Buy one if you're interested. Freddy Krueger, uh, Freddy Krueger's Robert Englund himself plays the Phantom. And it's, it's amazing. Anyway, so after all these adaptations, there is a man named Andrew Lloyd Webber. Coming off the success of the musical, um, Jesus Christ Superstar, he decided after a couple big mainstream successes his next big project was bringing this book and this story to life since it's so popular he wanted to take a shot at it he was dating a woman named sarah brightman at the time who would make sense for her to be in the original broadway cast um and there was a there was a man i loved when i saw the show um Online and, and listening, I own the uh, Broadway original recording of it. I'm a big fan of Michael Crawford and his take on the character. So, in the 80s, in 1989, the show is extremely popular. It's getting massive acclaim at the time. And he, him, uh, Weber, and another man who made a movie called Falling Down, They're, they both, uh, Joel Schumacher I'm talking about, Joel and Andrew decide to make an adaptation of it. And over the course of time, of the time, years and years, rewrite after rewrite, it just became ridiculous. You're watching this insane the backstory behind it gets even worse when you hear that Brightman and Weber broke up. Um, multiple people tr they wanted didn't couldn't really work. The year, I think, is I'm gonna assume it's around the 90s. The Phantom movie has to happen at some point, and it's getting around toward the, the early 2000s. There's a movie that just came out. It's called Dracula 2000. When Weber saw Butler, Gerard Butler in that movie, something clicked in his head. That is who he wanted to play the Phantom at the time. I'm guessing Joel Schumacher was thinking to himself, alright, I'll try to get him into this, see how it'll work. And... The next choice was for Christine Daae, and who did they pick but Emily Rossum, a, a teenager who I'm guessing she had no clue where her career was going to go, but thank God for her. I'll get to why I love her so much after in this more spoiler talk, but she's in this, um, Mini Driver is also in this again spoiler talk all right here we go let me try to explain the version of the phantom of the opera done by andrew lloyd Webber, and i will try to explain in my spoiler talk why this does not work all right let's get started the premise of the phantom of the opera besides an opera ghost haunting the fan the opera house in paris it's Paris 1870. 
old management is about to retire. Two two new managers of this opera house, they became they they become the owners. Okay. They become the owners. As the story progresses, we meet this timid, shy, yet powerful young woman named Christine Daye. And she is the talk of the town. While Carlotta, this big, boisterous, I'm better, prima donna, I'm better than everyone else character, is trying to be the lead in all these shows, Christine, at this point, since Carlotta makes this big hissy fit over not getting the part the way she wants it, Christine takes over the part and becomes an overnight sensation. It's revealed to us in after the performance and her meeting Raul, her best friend from since childhood, we meet the Phantom. Played by Gerard Butler. Do not worry, I will talk about him. It's hard to describe. We It's revealed that the Phantom has a crush on her. He's been teaching her how to sing extremely well, and it's pretty interesting to see where this goes. And throughout the course of the film, you start to see people and characters and the way they tell the story and the way they interact with others. And yeah, it's really intense. It's a strange movie. And I never thought that it would be this way. Before before I get into spoiler territory, I need to point out the film is bookended with two with a black and what with a black and white sequence and one in the middle. This is them when they're older. When when they're 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 at their they're much older, they're wrinkled. And the famous auction scene is in the beginning, then it converts to color, and we go from there. The ending, which I will get to, and how really dumb that is, in the middle, where we see a jewelry uh, moment, when they look at jewelry, and I'll get to that as well, that... All of this will make sense in just a second. So... If you wanted to hear my thoughts on The Phantom, spoiler free, it's a strange movie, but I understand why people are gravitate to it a lot. Okay, now you heard my basic overview of the plot, Let, let's get into the spoilers right off the bat. Many people have said this about this movie. But this is my take on it. Schumacher and Weber, to an extent, mostly Schumacher. He doesn't get why the play makes sense. There are moments in this movie when you can tell Schumacher wants to try something different. He doesn't most people try to say that, oh, Schumacher doesn't want to make a musical. That's not true. He doesn't want people singing. That's not why I think this movie doesn't work. Yes, in The Wiz, you can also tell he doesn't want them singing a lot. But he knew how to write a musical. 
he knew singing goes here, we transition and try to make it flow. And you can see him try to do it. And it's very basic shots. It's not, let's try something artistic. And they wanted it safe and marketable, which, fine. That's not mad at all. I can understand that clearly. Okay. Weber, I think, was the problem with this movie. I don't blame Schumacher at all. Honestly, I understand the constraint that he would have to go through to get things done. Now, with that said, I respect Weber on a lot of levels. Phantom's a great play. He did a great job. I do not agree with him on a sequel, but that's fine. It's his choice to make it, my choice to have an opinion. We're all happy. Okay, let me talk about some of the characters. I'm going to bring up two of the, the two main characters, and everyone has an opinion on them. Here's mine. Emily Rossum. The most common complaint about her character of Christine Daae, she's too timid. She's supposed to have the strong presence like Sarah Brightman. Okay, how do I put this? At the, like I said before, <laughs> Brightman and Weber broke up. And there was a lot of rewrites that were going on. I think it makes sense why Weber picked her. She is talented. And whenever I talked to a fellow, another fellow fandom fan at the time, she would bring up that her favorite version of Think of Me was Emily Rossum's take on it. And yeah, it makes that makes sense because when you're impre- when you're you have to make a really good first impression in order to convince your audience that you're a strong character. In musicals, one of some of the biggest mistakes people make is that your main character is either bland, forgettable, or is just boring and you don't want to interact with them. Now, with that said, I can see the argument that people think she's too boring. That makes sense too. Either way, I'm impressed. She she tried and she did a great job. It's there are problems. I will get to the most controversial part of this movie for some. For me, yeah, I'm gonna split people when I say this. Okay. The Phantom. I loved Michael Crawford. He was he is the Phantom to me. I remember hearing him. One of my favorite uh, music videos of the show is music of the night when you see Brightman and and Crawford um, reenact the scene. Honest to God, watch it. It is one of the best versions of that song I've ever heard. Anyway, um, okay. I'm going to talk about Gerard Butler. This is where, this is, I'm going to say this now, and I am ready for people to, to basically yell at me saying, What are you thinking? What kind of crazy, insane person are you? Gerard Butler is a fine actor. His singing is not the problem. It is the way he sings is the problem. Okay, let me try to explain what I'm trying to say here. It's not that him singing is a problem. He actually does the the music fine. He's not the Phantom. There are 
ways that he's directed that he's not the Phantom. You can tell that Butler's doing it for a paycheck. And it's so sad to watch because there's moments where you can tell he's trying. And... How do I put this? He's entertaining enough that you want to see how bad this gets, but you're also crying internally because you know how unfortunate it is. It, It really... For me, it's very sad. Because... You can see a talented man struggle with a horrible script. Okay. I've gotten Christine Daae. I've gotten The Phantom. Okay, here's my controversial opinion. Minnie Driver is awful in her performance of this. She... She's just annoying. Carlotta... It's hard to play her, and Minnie Driver could have done a great job. I don't think the actors are the problem. It's the way of the direction and 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 Weber's insistence that it has to be his vision. And I, I totally get the whole, I, this is my vision, this is how I've wanted to see it for years. And yeah, I can understand if people don't like it, but good God. um, Man, is Carlotta annoying. I mean, you could have made her at least a little more human, and you could have not turned her into a complete sociopath. No, I want it my way, and I hate the way... It's a st- Italian stereotype that drove me nuts, and even though they were supposed to be French, it makes even less sense. And the worst part is, one of them's British, one of them's Scottish, one of them's American, and with Crawford... And Brightman, you can tell, yeah, they're British, but it would make sense if they're in France. Because everyone's British, and it's... Look, I don't question this play anymore. <laughs> Look, there's even scenes that are just so dumb. There's a mo- There's a note song that's going on where they, they get a note from the Phantom basically saying, I want Christine to be in this part. And, how do I put this? One of the dumbest things I've ever seen happens. So they're reading the note, they're going on, I want the da-da-da-da-da, and he starts singing, and you see a hand touch a figure, and then it pans out, and it cuts to Gerard Butler's face with the mask on. And that's when I realized, this is Weber's passion project. He's turning, just like he did with Lover Never Dies, He tries to turn the Phantom into this emotional, emotionally tormented anti-hero. And yeah, I could see why he would want to do it, but it's not, it's not exactly the way I would tell the story. Look, let me quickly go over things because I've got a whole nother movie to talk about and I was afraid of talking about this movie that's coming up, but... Okay, we wrap up Phantom. Uh, the Dumb Monkey, they, they kept that in. I do like the references to Jean Cocteau, the references with the hand and candelabras. I hate the damn horse. Um, they ruined one of the most iconic parts of it where he rip, she rips off the mask and he says, damn you, and the whole song there, they screwed that up. Oh, and Music of the Night was botched horribly. 
Um, Point of No Return kind of faltered at points, but it was fine. And... And there was one more thing. I had it. Yeah, I hate the ending. I'll, I'll wrap this up as quickly as I can. The ending is literally Raul, who is the best friend, played by Patrick Wilson, comes to the to the gravestone of gravestone of Christine when it's revealed that the Phantom was there and there was a they pan close to the rose which turns into color and it pans back as you see the candles and it's just it's a giant middle finger to the audience saying we we're going to make a love never dies adaptation and we're like oh Christ um I think it's fine. It's not good. It's not bad. It's average. And I get why critics and audiences are split on it. Anyway. We'll be right back. Um, Man, that's taking a lot out of me. Next, we're going to talk about... I tortured you guys long enough. We're going to talk about Legends of Oz, Dorothy's Return. I've been hinting at it long enough. (laughs) Legends of Oz, Dorothy's Return, is one of the worst musicals I've ever watched. That's it. There's no... I'm not going to do a spoiler section. I'm not going to do spoiler free. I'm just going to tell you the basic premise. Because that's all you really need. I mean... (laughs) I've been hyping it up long enough. I mean, might as well get it over with. Here's the basic premise. It's 2014. We meet Dorothy Gale. She wakes up and her house is a mess. Apparently, it's survived this long since the first film. And I'm not going to include Return to Oz. Because, honestly, I don't know if even that's canon. Anyway. Long story short. This new guy basically says, Oh yeah, your house is not very safe. We're going to basically put it under construction and we're kicking you out of it because it's not safe for living in yada 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 even though they have a farm and everything and oh by the way it's not even in in sepia tones like in the original film because that's a really that's really we don't want to be really unfaithful don't worry merely beginning of our problems turns out uh, Brian Adams wrote the music to this, and they all sound the same, and it's, ugh, it's dumb. Look, here here we go. As I said, house is being foreclosed, farm, she's taking care of animals, she sings, oh, I wish my life was better, yada, yada, yada. Rainbow comes out and attacks her, because apparently, the Tin Man, Scarecrow, and the Lion basically said, you know what, we need Dorothy right now. Don't worry, I'll get. I'll explain why. Giant rainbow comes out. Insert joke. Taste the rainbow, motherfucker. Da 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 da. And we, 
or arrive in Oz. Uh, flying monkeys take it a uh, thing. Basically, she goes on this long journey. Um, she's trying to figure out where the hell Glenda is. Glenda, it turns out, is being kidnapped by the jester. This guy, okay, who is the younger brother to the Wicked Witch of the West. God, these these writers are idiots. I'm sorry. I, whoever made this movie was was dropped as a child. I swear to God, I hate this person. This person, we'll get to why in a little bit. So Martin Short plays a jester. Think Beetlejuice, but unfunny. And he's the literal villain. He's not an anti-hero like in Beetlejuice. Basically, Jester's complaining that he's not good enough. Turns Glinda into a pu- guy, goddamn puppet. Just roll with it. This movie is long enough. Um, Glinda meets a bunch of new people. A chubby owl who needs to get over his self-worth. A a marshmallow soldier who is trying to get over self-identification. And a glass china princess. Well, because royalty and... Oh my god, the Princess Diary movies say this enough times... They all have to go to Oz um, to recover something. The jester tricks her a couple times. God, this is, we're only halfway through it. She then finds, gets to Emerald City. He does this whole song and dance number about how he wanted to be just as recognized as, her, as his sister. But no, they... Damn it. Oh, gives a shit. Um... Yada yada yada, dialogue about how important, literally they rip off the scene with, um, I am the great and powerful Oz, and the, the whole green smoke thing, and, oh, let's see how your friends are, and it shows the scarecrow on a wheel, and I'm, I'm, I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, good God, what is wrong with you people? I'm, I'm watching it, and it's, it's a joke, I mean, no one takes it seriously, the dialogue's horrendous. And all of them are just phoning it in for a goddamn paycheck. Getting off track. They get get rid of the Chester. Glint is saved from being a puppet, because God forbid that needs to be resolved. And to wrap it up, Dorothy wakes up, you know, from out of Oz. She then finds out that this person who basically told her, yeah, your building can't be inhabited in, turns out is a con man going from town to town basically getting new identities with the same person so you're telling me we spent an hour and 20 some odd minutes just getting to a part where it's literally steve martin uh, steve not steve martin martin short who played the jester and also plays the stupid con man steve martin short literally plays a con man it's like it's like the writers knew who the cast members they wanted and just said, fuck it. Let's just put everyone we know from 1980 to 1990 onward and just put them in this movie. Now, besides the really stupid plot that makes fun of The Wizard of Oz and completely says, you know what, let's give everyone who liked the movie zero respect and literally just gives them the middle finger for enjoying the Wizard of Oz, or even one who'd never seen it in their life. I'm gonna say this now. If you like The Wizard of Oz, good. Watch that. You'll enjoy it. 
It's a fun movie. Hell, you'll have the time of your life watching it. It's actually, there's a lot of deep symbolism about the populist movement, whatever. Or if you just like a simple story, or read Frank L. Frank Baum's book, which is actually outstanding, and it's a great story to read to your kids. Anyway, look, it's better than Beauty and the Beast. But besides the point, I, I pissed a lot of Disney fans off, whatever. Look, here's what I'm going to say to you guys right now do not watch this movie really don't i wasted my time just watching this just to talk about it right now and get my frustration out on it it's a really fucking dumb movie whoever thought this was a good idea needs to be castrated i'm saying this from the bottom of my heart just die already I'm not trying to say this to be a mean person. I'm frustrated. I spent an hour and 30 some odd minutes trying to give a movie a chance to be nice. Trying to give a movie something that I thought, okay, this looks dumb, but I want to enjoy it for the sake of enjoying it. Movies can be really bad and be enjoyable. This wasn't. And yes, I'm going to say some stupid stuff, but at least... You could have given me one, one solitary moment when I didn't have to make fun of it just so I could enjoy it. But it didn't. It just... It's so mean-spirited and so absurd that it... It shouldn't have existed. And yet, here it is. I mean, I, I thought, okay... It looked dumb. I was going to do... I either thought about watching Swan Princess, Rockadoodle. And then I found this. And I just... <sighs> Sorry. Sorry, guys. Just... I need to get that out of there. And I need to move on. You know what I mean? Man. This movie was... Anyway, um, yeah, don't worry, uh, next thing we're going to talk about, um, I'm going to recommend you guys a movie, I'm going to recommend a really good movie that I watched, that I'm a mega fan of, if you like musicals, you'll, you'll be entertained by it, stick around. Okay, I'm going to recommend you guys a musical, um, what do I want to? What do I want to recommend? I got it. Any of you like Pinocchio? There's a movie that I watched um, for fun after I suffered through Legends of Oz, and I found this. I watched it, and I said, "This is hilarious." So, if you know the story of Pinocchio, um, it's about a wooden boy who comes real life it becomes real and the the uh, the puppet maker uh, Geppetto has to take care of it and try to get it off of in trouble basically that story is taken and and the musician Steven Swartz says all right we're gonna take the, with the writer says all right we're gonna take Pinocchio and we're gonna make it about Geppetto and guess who we're going to cast in the lead role 
Steve Martin? Maybe Robin Williams? No. They cast Drew Carey. You know, the guy who was in Price is Right? Whose line is it anyway? Heck, even on whose line, they make fun of this movie. And I said, okay, this looks funny. Yeah, there's jokes they make about it every every couple episodes. I'm like, okay, I need to see this. I watch it. It's so much fun. It's so much fun to watch. You're engaged. And it's actually really funny. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, how, how bad is this going to get? It's actually not that bad. Before I get started, here's the basic premise. It's basically Geppetto, we were introduced to Geppetto, he's this guy who says, really, all these people have parents, why, 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 why do all these rotten people have children but me? And he's like, what, what, what makes them have the right to have children? And honestly, he, he thinks later on, hey, maybe I should have a child. And he, may get, and he gets one, he makes Pinocchio, a child comes to life. Blue, the blue fairy shows up and says, good luck, disappears. He's like, no, no, wait. <laughs> um, and from then on, we see them bond. And, and then we're introduced to the greatest piece of overacting. I swear, if you want to see a man literally try to be a cartoon character, look no further then Brent Spiner in this movie plays the the puppet puppeteer Stromboli. It's an Italian man trying to make a career out of what he does. And it's, oh, it's so charming. Because you get to see a man try to be a dick to everyone. It's so funny. Later on, we see Usher at the Pleasure Island. We see Usher at Pleasure Island. Um, and they reunite. And it's basically beat for beat. Um... Pinocchio, except they add that Geppetto goes to this place called Idelia, where it's every child is perfect, and he realizes maybe that's not a good thing. Heck, Wayne Brady makes a cameo in Geppetto as this magician who shows up, and they sing a whole song, and, and Drew Carey, uh, Geppetto finally realizes, um, maybe I should have let uh, Pinocchio be himself, and it's touching moment and it's it's undercut by the blue fairy showing up saying thanks for helping me and it's really oh god this movie's so much fun to watch because it's entertaining and the ending is one of one of my favorite lines uh, there's my favorite part is when you see it's heartbreaking but it's you see Geppetto and Pinocchio Stromboli comes back uh, two thirds into it Right is it's getting we're we're in the uh, the uh, the falling action of the story where Stromboli basically says we made a contract we signed it and he has this whole song about how he wants to take care he, it's his son you can take my house and everything but you can't take my son away from me and long story short that doesn't exactly work um, and the blue fairy Deus Ex Machina is her way out of this and yeah. I mean, it is just perfect. The ending is this schmaltzy, um, happy song, and it, the literal ending, it's it starts with the opening of a book and it ends with the closing of a book. I mean, if you want something so much fun, so amazingly f 
some amazingly dumb, but amazingly fun at the same time. I recommend Geppetto. Really, I, I thought this was going to be a really bad movie, but it was so much, it's so bad it's good. It's, you have a talented lyricist, a great villain, a really, really interesting hero, and a, and a great version, a not very good version of Pinocchio, but, and a great cameo by Wayne Brady, uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus, uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus plays the uh, Blue Fairy, I mean, really, you guys gotta check it out, it's, it's a great movie if you haven't seen it, anyway, yeah. Well, that ends uh, this episode of Cult TV. Um, yeah, this is a bit of a long one, like last time, but I had to get all my thoughts out in this one. Um, Alright, before I go, uh, I got a couple... Um, the next one I want to be a really long episode. I've got like three movies I'm thinking about reviewing. One of them I knew I've seen. One of them is called The Blues Brothers. Don't worry, talk about it. Um, I've seen it a couple times, so I'm, I can talk about it through memory. The next two are gonna be a bit of a challenge for me. I have Blues Brothers. Besides The Blues Brothers, there's, there's two other movies I wanted to watch. Right. I'm going out. I'm going to talk about Play Misty for Me. That's what it was. I'm going to talk about the Clint Eastwood horror film Play Misty for Me and what's the other one? There's a third one. That's what it was. It's not this musical. Well, on a musical kick for some really stupid reason. Man, why do musicals get a cold falling? Shock treatment. That's what it is. Don't worry. I'll talk about those three. So let me repeat this. It's the Blues Brothers. Play Misty for me. And shock treatment. Anyway, folks, I gotta get going. And as always, I'm Marshall Cavalli. And this has been Cult TV.